Hi there, welcome to the State of Being show. I'm your host, Michelle Saya, and today's topic is near and dear to my heart. I'm diving deep with Amanda Machado. Amanda is an epidemiologist combining science, conscious living, healing, and growth for your lifestyle and business. In this episode, we talk about what spiritual ego may look like, spiritual bypassing, how toxic positivity shows up in sneaky ways, and why we may self-reject the parts of our identity that's yearning to be witnessed. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Amanda. Thank you so much for being on the State of Being podcast today. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today. Likewise, likewise. Yeah, we've been having previous conversations and really beautiful phone chats um, in the past, I believe, year. I forget how long we've known each other. I feel like during the pandemic, time has become so distorted for me. Yeah. But I think we've connected about six months, six, seven months ago. Yeah. We've had a few phone chats and they all tend to go very deep. (laughs) And I wouldn't expect anything less with this episode as well. So To start off with, Amanda, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? Yes, absolutely. So I'm Amanda Machado. I am a epidemiologist by training. So what does, what is that basically? It's not a skin doctor. Um, It's someone who really studies sort of the root causes and associations of things that happen in life. Um, Mm. And I find that even though that was a very scientific based journey, it really led me into more of my, I guess, soul's calling. Um, And that has really been my entrepreneurship. And so my entrepreneurship is uh, Wild Becoming. And there I really focus on taking a holistic approach to wellness. So really coaching um, people through um, healing modalities, as well as growth um, strategies and things like that. Mm -hmm. to just live a more conscious life and really diving deeper with people to understand what that may look like for them based on where Mm -hmm. they're at. Um, And yeah, like really just, I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm a healer by um, my ancestry and also um, that's coming out a lot in my work as well. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Beautiful. And when you're talking about living a more conscious life, what does conscious living look like for you personally? So conscious living for me is really bringing in that mindfulness piece. So that's one of the aspects, but also really embodying your truth, Um, embodying your truth, being unafraid to, to embody who you, who and what you are Mm -hmm. and bringing that deep level of awareness and being able to deeply witness the human experience. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like we have this beautiful gift um, to be in this human experience and we want to be able to experience life to the fullest. And sometimes because of our conditioning, we can be blocked by things And um, that can really prevent us from living a very fulfilled life. Mm -hmm. And then from a physical perspective, it can also, you know, prevent us from living a life of longevity um, Mm -hmm. because a lot of, you know, emotional, spiritual, uh, mental aspects are so connected to the body as well. So beautifully said, Amanda, thank you for sharing that. And Jumping right into the big question that, and I think it's a question that a lot of people have been asking themselves lately is, what is healing to you? How would you define healing? Let's start off there. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. that's so deep too, right? So Mm -hmm. um, I feel like healing happens on multiple levels. Uh, I feel like healing happens at the level of the self. But now we are also witnessing a lot of healing happening within our communities, our societies. And so there's sort of these different levels of healing, right? Like there's Mm -hmm. levels of healing happening within the individual person um, and then community um, and 
you know, outwards, right? Um, and this is how we evolve. Um, but if we're focusing on self-healing, for me, this is really this deep witnessing and embodiment mm-hmm. piece and being able to penetrate um, through all of the layers of which we are, right? So um, our mental layer, our physical layers um, of the tissues of the body, our emotional layers. So being able to be with emotional experiences that we may feel is difficult, um, but Mm. being with that experience is going to lead us down a certain path, is going to bring certain things to completion so that we're able to move forward in our evolution. And then spiritual is a really interesting one. And I think we'll dive like deeper as we go into the conversation. Um, But I like, I wonder if the soul, like when we think about the soul, like does the soul really need healing? I think is an interesting Mm. question Um, because if the soul knows the way and it's been with you in, you know, all of your lifetimes and, you know, is what you are trying to embody in this human experience as well, then perhaps, you know, there is no sort of healing for the soul. Maybe Um, I think it's an interesting question. That's a beautifully thoughtful question. Um, I got shivers when you asked it and yeah, I actually, when I think about it, it's something to ponder And I am kind of put in a position where I don't even think I'm in a position to answer it because I'm an imperfect human, just like every other human being on this planet. And when I think about does the soul need healing, I think kind of going off of what you said about the different layers of healing, I think the soul needs to be witnessed. Mm just like the physical body, the emotional body needs to be witnessed. So when we're talking about self-healing and the different layers that it could possibly look like, for you personally, how has your healing journey been looking like? How's that experience been for you? So, So I think, you know, what you're saying is absolutely right. And I mean, it's for me, like even that's like a question, right? And I think sometimes we can get so bogged down on what is the answer to these questions that we hold. And while I believe that, you know, if you believe in past lives and things like that, there are healing aspects to that as well, because mm-hmm. if you're bringing something with you, a wound with you that's from before, then that's something that may need to play out or experience. Yeah. Um, And so it's interesting how we put language to things and that can be um, quite powerful as well. But I think that um, for me personally, my healing journey has, has been quite interesting. So I think from a, you know, growing up, um, I did a lot of healing from a mental perspective, Um, having gone through some childhood traumas and things like that. I really embraced that aspect of it. Um, and then more recently, my healing became more physical and emotional mm-hmm. and learning how to be in the emotional body, um, I think as an empath as well, it's really challenging for us to want to be in our bodies sometimes because we're so highly sensitive that, um, we want to run away <laughs> from oh, yeah. mm-hmm. that, uh, experience that feels like so like because it's so contained and intense in the body the vessel um Mm. it can feel you know too too intense sometimes and so I've really just been learning to embrace that as a gift rather than something that's been detrimental for me like before I used to say I you know this is a curse you know being an empath and things like that And now I'm like, wow, this is beautiful. Like it's beautiful to be able to feel emotion on that level. And so a lot of my healing journey has been around those aspects, um, really learning to be in the, in the emotional body, learning to sit with emotions in real time. Um, There's a lot of beautiful practices that can help us when we have sort of deeper wounding um, Mm. and, you know, Uh, the embodiment of archetypes and things like that. And that's all needed as well. But sometimes I think 
it's learning how to build resilience in the human experience. So mm-hmm. learning how to be in the body has been a big part of my healing journey. And then I would say, uh, you know, healing, um, wounds like mother wounds and things like that have been Mm -hmm. a really part of my healing journey, like, um, embodying the, you know, the mother archetype and learning like what it means to be a mother. And, and so not to put judgment and blame on my own mother, but learning to accept her for who she is and who she was, you know, during certain parts of my life. Um, Mm -hmm. And that is really all like that has trickled out into the, you know, relationships I have, like, especially the one with my mother, like, um, Mm. we've bonded on a level that I never thought was possible. And that's as a result of healing. Um, And then I think one other big, big aspect has really been um, to embody the body. And it sounds kind of funny, because it's like, well, of course, I'm embodying the body. Um, but I think a lot of us actually do walk around like quite disembodied and it's only when we go into this deep, like almost hypnotic state or level of awareness that we're able to see that we're not. Um, and throughout my healing journey, when I started doing a lot of like yoga, physical practice, and really, um, as I was doing these practices, like being in the body, instead of sort of thinking while I was doing these practices and sort of saying, well, I'm exercising, right. Mm -hmm. Um, but truly embodying this sacred practice and feeling what it feels like to feel the energy move as I move, like with this moving meditation and that like embodiment piece, uh, like unlocked a lot for me. Um, it really, um, taught me that, there were certain things that I was sort of hiding from or not wanting to see. Um, And then physically, by doing this practice, by being in the body, by accepting a lot of my emotions, regardless of what they were, I actually ended up, you know, becoming a lot like physically healthier as well. And gaining back sensation in areas of my body where I had actually lost sensation, which is also a way of, um, like uh, is also a signal that there's something there that you're not fro- like something that is frozen in that area. So yeah, that's sort I, of yeah. what my journey looked like. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. And so much of what you shared, I can actually, it hits home for me. Um, I can definitely relate to the physical body in that um, growing up, I had I underwent um, trauma, specifically sexual trauma, and I did everything I could to detach from my body and not feel and Mm -hmm. to numb. And it wasn't until the last couple of years that I really had to reach, I reached a tipping point where the numbness was getting to be it was getting to be detrimental and I didn't recognize myself and what I wanted in life. I didn't realize the body had so much to do with being connected with also my emotions and also what I wanted and what I desired and what I yearned for on both, on both like an ego state as well as a deep soulful state all the layers just felt disjointed and broken felt very disconnected and so one of the many practices for me specifically to get back into the body and feel those sensations was breath work yes yeah breath work has been helping (laughs) me um yoga I love yoga. It's I'm not as flexible as I would like to be. Um, but breath work is one of the ways that I feel puts me more at ease. And it's also a little uncomfortable, but I think that's kind of despite it being uncomfortable and also feeling the waves of euphoria that breath work can kind of take you on. I think it's kind of again witnessing. Yes. the pain and also Absolutely. the joys of life through the body. Um, so I know you mentioned a little bit about wounds. And mm. so I would love to 
kind of hear your thoughts on what do you think the relation, and this is another big question. It's really hard to, (laughs) when it comes to healing, it's such a big topic. What do you think the relationship between wounds and healing are? How do they interplay with one another? Yeah. So that's a really, that's a really big question. Um, And I mean, I think when it comes to wounds, they stem from a lot of different things, right? Like uh, when we think about it, like we could generate a wound um, from like not having, like we said, like conscious awareness, not wanting to be with something or Mm -hmm. we could generate a wound from a trauma or we could generate a wound. Like there's so many things I think we generate wounds from Mm -hmm. but I think like we call them wounds but I also think what they can be is they can be attachments or detachments yes Mm -hmm. and so overly attaching ourselves to something um in our life or not or just not wanting to look at something in our life at all um and then creating this disassociation between us and whatever that is um and I think wounds yeah like when we think about if we focus on the disassociation component of it I think when we have a wound um and we become like you're talking about trauma that like from childhood and stuff like that um and thank you so much for sharing your heart um on that as well and I think that when we have you know, traumatic things happen to us. And then we have a difficult time looking at those things, which why wouldn't we like, our brain is telling us like, that wasn't something that I wanted, like, um, we need to avoid that. Um, And so our brains are really trying to protect us. But we have this wound or, you know, we're creating this detachment. And what I think happens in this interplay is that I think that, you know, this wound becomes bigger and bigger in a way. And I don't know if that's true physically and mentally and emotionally, Mm. if there's like an energy that, you know, if you had some special camera or something you could see, but Mm. I think that in in a sense, it does become bigger um, because it's being asked to be seen so that you can move forward in your life. Um, And what is happening in this interplay is there's this detachment is happening and it's getting sort of deeper and deeper. Um, But also, um, you know, you're, you're starting to detach from self. Right. And that's where I think when we talk about numbness happening in our bodies, we're detaching ourselves um, from that experience completely, but that experience is part of who we are because it's already happened. And so we end up, like creating these sort of physical ailments and these Mm -hmm. like, or physical manifestations as well as emotional um, manifestations. Mm -hmm. And to sort of treat this wound or to be with this wound is to, um, is, is to be with it. Right. And um, to, to kind of go into it fully. um, And that can be quite challenging. And I like what you said about breath work because breath work really helps to, bring those um energies and um that interplay to the surface to be seen um where you're not sort of um going around like you don't really have to go around digging in every little area like it it comes sort of naturally and so that's um the really beautiful thing about breath work and um yeah so I really think the dynamic is really around this sort of um you know, attachment or detachment that we're creating. And I think the idea is to sort of be in this more like state of homeostasis or balance with these different layers of self. I absolutely love that. Um, It's interesting because just the other day I was um, talking with a friend. Um, She's a manifestation coach and there she was talking about how when it comes to receiving and giving it also comes back down to the homeostasis one mm-hmm. can't give too much give too much and one can't receive too much it's always this sweet spot and a dance with attachment 
unattachment or detachment. Um, And I know that in our previous conversations, I wanted to take some time to talk specifically about the abundant wound. And we can even dive into money wounds, financial wounds. This is something that I'm sure we both see a lot um, with other people, as well as us going on the healing journey of healing our own attachment or detachment wounds to money. Um, But I would love to hear your thoughts on what are some of the common abundant wounds that you see and how do we navigate that? Yeah. So I think Mm -hmm. any wound, including the abundant wound comes down to the relationship that you have with that. So when we think Mm -hmm. about abundance, I mean, you can have, like you said, like you can have abundance in terms of wealth or money. Mm -hmm. You can have abundance in terms of love and happiness and, um, you know, those positive emotions and things like that as well. Um, And so you could have, you know, I think it really depends on if we're focusing on something like wealth um, or Mm -hmm. money, it really depends on, yeah, like what is your relationship to wealth or money? Mm. Um, and then what is your mindset, your mindset like around that? Like, do you have, um, do you notice that you have like this scarcity mindset that there's not enough or mm. that if you have something, somebody else can't have it for it to be true? Um, oftentimes we think when it comes, especially like to like wealth, and if you want to include like success in that and things like that, uh, professional success, which leads to money and things like that. Um, we can think about it in terms of like, sometimes we think that like, if that person is successful, I like, that means that I can't be successful or Mm -hmm. if I'm successful, then somebody else is not going to be successful. And that creates like this really weird dynamic um, when the truth is like both things can be true and we want that to be true, right? Um, With a scarcity mindset, we, um, you know, our mind might want to dive into protection mode um, and might say like, oh, if if that person is more successful than you, um, that you can't do that or you can't have that thing or um, it might show up as like, things like that don't happen to someone like me. I hear that a lot. Or, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, yeah, it happened for her, but it can't happen for me. But when we say things like that, like, that's really powerful. We really start to believe that on a very deep level. And then we actually act in accordance with that. And it becomes like this self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I could definitely. Yeah. Um, And it's interesting because what's funny is lately I've been noticing and observing, I've kind of been on hermit mode and like seeing how other people have conversations that reminds me of abundance, the lack of or thereof. And one thing I notice, even with um, some past clients that they've been working through is when they are experiencing a lack of abundance. And in this aspect, it's the lack of time, like a time mm. scarcity thing. That's been showing up a lot. With, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I've been observing that a lot recently with people. And when they're experiencing time scarcity, I also notice some sort of correlation where the more time scarcity one experiences where they just feel like they don't have enough time, like their business needs to be launched as of yesterday and they're not meeting themselves where they're at. Um, And it's kind of like this lack of acceptance mixed in with too much attachment to an outcome that will come in its own time, but they're not trusting it. When that happens, naturally the abundant wound of now money comes into play because when they're trying to charge for, let's say, a one-on-one coaching session, the first pain point that comes up is, oh, this price point is too high because we don't have enough time to go over all the things that we need to go over. And I'm like, do you see the pattern? Yeah. Where like, you don't feel like you have enough time and now you're not giving yourself the space to make empowered decisions when it comes to pricing your offers, because you feel like there's not enough time with that either in the container that you're holding space for with other people. Like 
it just kind of bleeds into everything. And so what are one, what are some of the ways where when it comes to abundance and it can show up in any form, what are some ways where we can tap into the worthy worthiness part of it, where we feel like we're worthy of the abundance? Yeah. So that's also a really good question because that's hugely tied to how we feel about ourselves. And so everything, um, so like I said, like, um, with, with abundance, it's your relationship to abundance, right? But Mm -hmm. everything stems from first your relationship with yourself. And so you have to feel in your, and it's not only just about thinking about it, but it's, it's, it's the whole embodiment piece around it. So it's having the mindset that helps, Mm -hmm. but then it's connecting that to the emotional aspect of that and feeling what it feels like in the body to feel worthy, to feel worthy Mm -hmm. of the things that you desire to feel worthy of the things that you want to achieve in your life. Um, and so it really comes down to that core of, you know, how do you feel about yourself? And so that's probably the first place, you know, that we want to start um, when we're, you know, healing that wound is like, how, like, do I feel worthy? Like, do I feel worthy of success? Do I feel mm-hmm. worthy of money, like having a lot of money? Or do I feel worthy of, you um, working with people in this way. Um, because I think sometimes we become fearful and avoidant perhaps of that relationship, just like in any relationship, or we can become anxiously attached to that Mm -hmm. relationship, um, thinking that it won't happen. And when we do that, that's when we create these limiting beliefs and these blocks that are then linked to things like what you were talking about, like time and Um, scarcity of time. And that's a very real fear, right? Like, um, and if when you think about it, it's, it's, it links back to things like us as humans being fearful of death and not having enough time. Mm. Um, And so it goes so, so deep. Um, But the funny and interesting thing is like time is man made. So to some extent, it's a big illusion, right of the mind. We have astrological time, which is, you know, like it, it, it is right. It's true. Mm-hmm. But our man-made time around this sun, um, there's no, like when we think about it, our man-made time doesn't even really support us as females as much as it should, because it's based on a yeah. 24 hour clock. And so we really have to be, I think, honing in on how, um, you know, if we're worthy and we were born worthy, time does not matter. And I think it's really about um, honing in on that. Like, do I believe that I was born worthy? No matter what happens, no matter what external circumstance comes in my way, I'm going to remove that obstacle because I was born worthy and just continuing to really just come back to that each and every time we feel that that relationship is getting messy again. Um, Mm. Because I really feel like it's, it's like you have to work on these relationships as if they were people right like it sounds funny like to have a relationship with something like money but we do and when we you know say things like you know money is the root of all evil and all of these things Mm -hmm. those are very powerful statements that then lead us to believe that that's true and then you know would we say that to a partner would we say that we are the root of all evil right so Mm -hmm. we wouldn't so we shouldn't say that about things that we want to happen in our lives either. Um, Mm. But I think we wouldn't if we felt worthy and we embodied that feeling on a very deep level um, and, and really integrated all aspects of that from the mind to the body um, to the emotional component, because it's all connected. Mm. Man, so much good stuff. (laughs) I love everything (laughs) that you're sharing so far. Um, energetically I just feel so present with you right now because I love these it. are yeah these are the types of conversations that I just deeply crave on such a yeah. soul level so to be having it with you is such a pleasure going back to the topic of healing and when we're talking about the concept of spiritual bypassing this is something that you and I really wanted to talk about. So yes. 
what is spiritual bypassing in your terms and how is it affecting us in ways that are detrimental but oftentimes invisible yeah so another great question i think you know when it comes to spiritual bypassing i think it's another interesting like concept and the language around it i feel like is even interesting right because can this spirit really be bypassed right i think is an interesting question Mm-hmm. Um, but spiritual bypassing, I think, you know, by definition is really using your spirituality and your spiritual practice to bypass the human experience. Um, mm. whether that's b- bypassing emotions, because you we're not wanting to feel emotions in the body. We don't like mm. the experience of it. So we just try to bypass it. I'm done with this. I've I'm, you know, this is not an issue anymore, but even though it is right, because if it wasn't, we wouldn't we wouldn't feel like we needed to run away from it anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, you know, just bypassing physical interactions. I think anything that's in the human experience that we're trying to bypass because we think that we're, um, you know, more spiritually, too spiritually advanced for this, Mm -hmm. um, or we're having a difficult emotion. And instead of, you know, just sitting with it, allowing um, it to move through you. Um, you, I know did a really beautiful article on like the 92nd emotion Mm -hmm. and how powerful that can be to just, um, you know, sit with that emotion for 90 seconds. Um, and then, you know, like perhaps it may come up again, right. If there's some deeper work that needs to be done there, but perhaps by sitting with it, you're releasing that. Right. Um, and Mm -hmm. you're not building on these wounds and things like that. And so that's one big way. But I also think that um, there's some more like subtle ways, particularly in, you know, the spiritual community and things like that. And that really is like, sometimes, like, I know we love astrology. We love human design. They're such great tools for uh, self-actualization. Um, but I think sometimes when we're not wanting to sit with a difficult experience, we might say, well, it's because this is happening. It's Mercury mm-hmm. retrograde. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not dealing with this right now or like things like that. And so it's, we're still, I think technically like blaming an external Mm -hmm. circumstance or using an external circumstance to say why we don't want to be with it. Um, So those are, I think some more subtle ways that it shows up, uh, you know, like within the spiritual community. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, yeah, like, uh, like saying we're too spiritual to even have a conversation with someone or blame, like blaming, you know, um, an external circumstance or somebody else for something. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still not uh, like we're bypassing, like we're, we're, we're using our spirituality, whether we're, it's be, like what we think about our spirituality or whether it's a practice, like instead of being with an emotion, we jump into, a yoga practice, for example, sometimes like even though it's yoga is something positive for us, if we're using it to say I it's because I don't want to sit with this emotion, we're still, I think, technically bypassing. Mm-hmm. And coming back to that question of like, can we actually spiritually bypass? I mean, the soul is going to keep bringing it up, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's what happens. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. So many things to add to that. And I think another thing that I think of when it comes to spiritual bypassing that's a bit more subtle is the attachment to permanence. People assume that once you are consciously awakened, however you want to call it, so many ways to, you know, name this spiritual conscious awakening journey. And people might say, it's like, okay, I went through the dark night of the soul. I'm now on a conscious spiritual awakening journey. I was unconscious the whole time. I'm now awake. Things that used to bother me shouldn't bother me anymore. And I think that's such a severe way Mm. of punishing yourself and just deviating away from your humanity mm-hmm. to depend on the permanence of reaching a state and never 
hitting a low state or hitting a plateau ever again. I don't think that's realistic. I don't think that's how humans naturally operate. Like if we were to really honor our rhythms of our emotions and our thoughts, I don't think that we're immune to parts of ourselves that are going to feel funky. Like there are days where we're going to feel like we're in a funk (laughs) and there's enough, like we're just going to sit with it. Um, So what are some of your thoughts on like the attachment to permanence? Because it's something I've been seeing a lot, especially, especially in the spiritual community. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that you brought up impermanence. Like that is, it's such um, a deep and interesting part of our reality. And the thing is, so when we think about it, right, like even when we think about like the pandemic and how the world has changed over the last little while, a lot of fear has been generated because we as humans, we do not like impermanence and we do not like uncertainty. We do not like that part of the human experience. Like we seem to have this aversion to it and Mm. it's, but that is, that is the experience. And I think when it comes to impermanence, I think it's really about cultivating this level of gratitude for each and every single moment, knowing that it, you'll never have a moment like that again. But that is very hard for us to do because we attach ourselves to things that have happened in the past. We miss things that have happened in the past because we loved how we felt um, Mm -hmm. when we had certain experiences. We want that feeling to be permanent. Um, But the, you know, the experience of the soul is really this impermanence that this life is a drop in the bucket, right? And then Mm -hmm you know, we come here to do what we came here to do in this lifetime. But then, like, you know, we may be doing something else, like we don't know, right. Um, And I think it comes back to, again, this like deep fear, um, and our primal instincts as well, around, um, like death and things like that. Um, Mm. And, you know, like that fear instinct is, is like quite primal. Um, And it's needed when, you know, we are in a situation where um, we should be fearful. Um, Just like animals, they know when to run away or when to sort of stay in certain areas. And we have that in common with them. But I think um, what animals may not be able to do is like they, they may not have the ability to know themselves on such a deep level and that sort of Mm -hmm. I am presence that says like, I am accepting of this, right? Mm. And um, really cultivating that deep acceptance for I'm going to be present in this moment and knowing that the next moment is new. Um, And learning, I think, how to navigate that we are a soul having a human experience and really trying to balance our spiritual aspects with that human experience so that we're embodying all parts of ourselves and we're not, um, you know, detaching ourselves from other parts of ourselves. Like I think uh, when I mentioned that I became like quite numb in certain parts of my body, it was like my lower, more primal sort of Mm -hmm. areas. And I, a lot of this I think had to do with the fact that I was, spiritually like trying to bypass a lot of my human experience right Mm. um and so I think it's really about looking at like you know what do you what are you averse to um when it comes to impermanence like what scares you around impermanence and Mm. what are some aversions or attachments like do you have around these types of things um and then how are you using how are those sort of, you know, beliefs about, um, you know, wanting something to be permanent and things like that, how is that creating this sort of toxicity um, Mm. in you and also perhaps even rippling out into the lives of others, right? Like we see like toxic positivity being an issue in our community as well. Yeah. And What's interesting is similar to um, spiritual bypassing, kind of one in the same, but I would love to hear your thoughts on it. The spiritual ego. Mm. 
I've asked myself many times in the last couple of years, and I'm sh- I can't speak on behalf of anybody else but myself, but when I first realized that I was on a conscious journey and I started doing what I could to align and embody my daily actions to match the values and convictions that I hold near and dear to my heart. Mm. What happened that was ironic and unconscious, even though I thought I was conscious, was I became self-righteous. I developed my own spiritual ego. And what's interesting was I remembered about a little over two years ago, I was like sitting on the couch and my partner called me out on it. He told me, he was like, we have a very brutally honest and beautiful relationship in that he helped me realize that I had a spiritual ego and Mm. I needed to check myself, like something was off. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on, is there a way for us to (laughs) get into the conscious journey and check to see if the spiritual ego takes over? Like, how do we create that balance within ourselves to want to better our lives and want to align our values with our daily actions, but not take it upon other people and expect that other people have to match the actions that we hold near and dear to ourselves. Yeah. And yeah, like, again, like, I think that this is so, it's so fascinating because within our human experience, we have an ego, right? Like that's the, the identity that our human has. Um, and I know when we talk about ego, we, we seem to, you know, drop the ego and stuff like that. And at some points it does need to be dropped. Absolutely. But I think it's perhaps thinking about like, how do we come into balance with our ego? Right. Because our ego is part of our identity. Um, but our identity that needs to be integrated with you know, the other parts of ourselves, because the the spirit knows that there is no separation. But I think when we have this spiritual ego um, take hold, which I've definitely been there as well, uh, with my partner too, um, where I just, I sort of expected that he was going to have these, you know, deep healing revelations and he did but he had the ones that were right for him right Mm -hmm. not necessarily the ones that I had and those are also like my perception of the ones that I had they were my reality right Mm -hmm. and I think when we have these like deep um, awakenings and things like that I feel like they're so they leave such an imprint that it's hard to let them go we create an attachment around those Mm -hmm. um and we, we try so hard to figure them out with the mind, which I don't even know if that's even possible because they, they, they happen on such a deep level that I don't know that the mind can fully put a lot of it into words or logic. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily think that that may, you know, need to actually happen, right? It, it's an experience that was part of the journey. Um, and so I think when we have this spiritual ego take hold, we actually create a, a separation within ourselves Mm -hmm. and then that ripples out into the lives of others right but when we're seeing for example like our partner and we're sort of having this expectation typically I think it means like we still have this expectation around us like like for example like I used to have this aversion like to people who were angry or um, people who I perceived as lazy but I think that's because I have an aversion to to myself being angry Mm -hmm. or being, or being um, like have people having this perception of me of being lazy and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's, I feel like the spiritual ego as, you know, something that needs to be, you know, balanced out every and put in check. Right. Yeah. Every once in a while, I think it's something that can actually teach us a lot when we dive in and when we can actually witness that we have a spiritual ego Mm -hmm. and we can witness um, the separation that that too could like have the potential to create. Um, And if it is creating a separation, really honing in on what that is and why 
are we creating that um, separation instead of coming into um, a deeper union? Because I have to admit, like when I went through, you know, the, the awakening that I did um, this past fall, I like, I would say that was when my spiritual ego was highest because mm-hmm. in my mind, I couldn't fathom or perceive that anybody else could have had that experience. Um, mm-hmm. And then of course, like I, you know, the universe showed me and introduced me to people like you and others who had had very similar experiences to show me the truth of, you know, that you are not separate. Mm. So yeah, it's so, it's so interesting. And it's kind of like, uh, these little cosmic jokes that go on. (laughs) It's, um, it's very cathartic. And I feel this I feel this nourishment, this soul nourishment that happens Mm. when we connect and have these beautifully honest conversations. Because if two years ago, two, three years ago, we were we were to have this conversation and I was still not accepting those parts of myself um, and I was still kind of in a way unconsciously self-rejecting which is why the spiritual ego was coming up I probably wouldn't have the guts to openly like just have this conversation like yeah I had a spiritual ego and like (laughs) heck like I I'm sure there's still parts of me today where it's like I have blind spots so if anyone sees it please call me out so I can have the opportunity to look at my shadows and yeah. see what are areas that are coming up as coping mechanisms and wounds. What are walls that are just cannot be penetrated at this time? And now it's an invitation to see, can I penetrate it? Can I look at it? Can I give it love? Can I give it grace? But what's it? I agree with you on the cosmic joke part. Um <laughs> Yeah, it feels like sometimes it feels like one big cosmic irony and joke. I love the humor of it. It keeps things really light. Um, but yeah, I I think for me <laughs> specifically, like the spiritual ego really came down to rigidity. Mm-hmm. And I was disciplined a lot as a child and mm-hmm. unfairly punished for things that I didn't do that I was accused of doing. And there were a lot of masculinity wounds that I was carrying. And it was a way to protect myself by being in control and not realizing that I was abusing that by having to make sure the person, the people that I was surrounded with fit the type of value system and structure that made me feel safe. Cause I felt so fearful as a kid. And I was like, that's baggage that I need to work through. Um, but yeah, like talking about the spiritual ego, like talking about it now is even healing. Um, and I'm sure that a lot of people, what's even meta is like, I notice with a lot of the people that I love in my community, in the spiritual community, I when I recognize that their spiritual ego is showing up, I can't use my spiritual ego to judge their spiritual ego. <laughs> yeah. Like I can't do that because yeah. that's ironic and that's very yeah. meta. Um, yeah. It's it's just so such a non-judgment, right? <laughs> it's such an yeah. interesting to witness. Um, but I really appreciate you mentioning the cosmic joke and irony and all of this because I think it <laughs> creates that ability for us to just like breathe into it be like, okay, yes. this is where we are. And we just, we just have to meet ourselves where we're at in our journey. Oh my gosh. And yeah. it's kind of silly when you think about it, because if we're, if we're also connected and we're in this union, but we're sort of having these individual human experiences Mm-hmm. like how silly is it it's like everyone being on the same team but telling each other what to do right and then because people are mirroring to you aspects of yourself it's like you, you're fighting with yourself in the mirror and in turn you're actually probably judging yourself more than anything because yeah. it might actually just be perception right so it's kind of I don't know it's it's very ironic and it's very funny um 
but I, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's a part of the human journey. And I think recognizing and like coming into that, you know, loving awareness, loving kindness, especially now that we're in the Aquarian age, mm-hmm. um, loving, you know, loving all parts of ourselves, including the shadow, and then loving that in others and knowing that they have their own soul's journey and path. And we can't, you know, force anyone to believe in anything. And I think that's why we always say like your soul aligned clients will be attracted to you because Mm -hmm. you're not making anybody believe in anything. You're, uh, you're aligning with people who already have the same belief system as you and who are ready for that step in their journey as well. Beautiful. And I love that you brought up the Aquarian age. My inner astrologer is like singing with joy. So thank you. Um, Yes. And to add on to that, I think a couple of components that you brought up is just, there's just so much gold in this conversation. It's just being in homeostasis, being back Mm. into balance with yourself. And part of that, like you said, it's the acceptance part, the self-acceptance and knowing that you're worthy just by being. Yes. Not having to. Yeah. You were (laughs) born worthy. Um, It's a cliche for a reason. You were born worthy. Um, And I think that this is one of those conversations that I would love for us to just have more of. And I love that we were able to, you know, just have this transparency and just sharing our experiences. So my next big question to you is, Amanda, how can people find you and work with you? Yes. So um, the best place to connect with me is my Instagram. So um, I do go on other social media outlets and things like that. But I think the main hub right now is really um, Instagram. I'm at wild becoming. And if send me a DM, my DMs are open. Um, You can connect with me there. Um, And then I also have um, a link where you can see things that are going to be upcoming. Um, I'm going to be launching a conscious living program soon. And then we'll probably hone in on different areas um, that I feel like are, you know, kind of what I want to serve, but also um, what the community is asking for. And so, yeah, you'll find everything at my Instagram page. um, And I always love to hear and talk to different um, people um, learn what their journey is like. So feel free to connect with me anytime. Yay. And yes, I'm going to leave everything in the show notes so you can find Amanda and reach out to her, send her some love. Amanda, what words of wisdom would you like to impart on our audience to finish this conversation today? Yeah. So how do I tie up this type of conversation? Yeah. Um, I would say just be, Um, Mm. you know, focus on what you want to become. And of course, like align that with what you're consuming and what you're um, putting in your body and, um, you know, the experiences that you're having and things like that. Um, But I think it's also equally important to focus on being in the human experience. And that really helps us to um, recognize that, you know, we are on this beautiful soul journey, but we all also are in this human experience. And that allows us to sort of witness um, and accept, um, you know, all parts of ourselves. So that would be what I want to leave um, everyone with. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you. This was beautiful. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you so much, Michelle.